Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. In this case, we're talking with a productivityist. What does that mean? Well, I'll let Mike Vardy tell you once we get into the interview. But yes, this week I'm talking to Mike Vardy of Productivityist.com. We talk a bit about what is productivity. We talk about ways to stop doing productivity and start being productive as well as how to determine when you have a need for a new tool and how to maybe test out that tool, as well as working on projects first and tasks second. This week, it's my great privilege to talk to Mike Vardy, a productivityist. He is not a guru. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having me, Eric. Appreciate it. Uh, I've been interested in talking to you for a while. I love the idea of the word productivityist. Can you clue us in on to what that exactly means? Well, a productivityist is somebody who is uh, really enthusiastic about you know getting more efficient, more effective with their work and their workflow. So when I uh, and and they're a student of the game, right? So for me, uh, I look at it as I'm a productivityist because I, I like to explore ways to get work done better. Uh, I keep up with a lot of the different apps and the different workflows and different techniques. Um, so I've kind of – it's funny because the IST allows you to actually use any kind of like – so enthusiast. I think for me now it's becoming more of a specialist. So I'm a productivity specialist, so productivityist because we all – and Patrick Grohn's talked about this before on the Enough podcast. We, uh, we all struggle with this kind of stuff and for me – the whole, I mean, people have said, oh, you're a productivity expert. I'm like, well, I have expertise in it, but <laughs> I am by no means, uh, you know, expertly executing it 100% of the time. So that's that's kind of where the term came from. And, and I thought it was a apt term to describe not just me, but a bunch of people. Like the site's not called The Productivityist because there are many people and much like, I guess, and this is by no means uh, an accurate, uh, I guess, analogy. Just like there's, you can be a Buddha because you can, you know, there's not the Buddha. Uh, I guess in the similar terms, there's not just one productivityist. There could be many, many. And I have a manifesto to kind of help people go down that path called the way of the productivityist. So, but this is not a religion. It's just a, a way that you can, <laughs> a way that you can try to just get better work done and, and keep things in check. Uh, doing, I guess, the idea is to stop doing productive and start being productive. There you go. That's exactly what I was looking for. That's the thing, though, is, is what you, how do you keep yourself from getting wrapped up in the <laughs> talking about productivity to actually be productive? It, does you find that difficult at all, being you know kind of inside baseball or meta-productivity talk where you're talking about productivity so much you're not getting stuff done? It definitely has been a struggle in the past. It's not as much now. I mean, I think my history has kind of helped in that, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, kind of reading and researching. In fact, that's kind of how I got started. I started by, you know, reading up a lot on productivity because I was trying to get do some comedy stuff and I was trying to manage my day job. And what happened was I ended up uh, learning how to be more productive, but I wasn't any more productive. So that's when I started to satir satirize it with uh, eventualism.com, which is still up. You can still look at it and there's still, there's still a few gems there, <laughs> although it was probably more frequent than funny most of the time. Uh, and I, I had tip to Merlin Man for, for that line. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but I think what, what, what's happened is because I've gone to write for like sites like Work Awesome and Lifehack and stuff, I've become a lot more mindful and thoughtful about my approaches to productivity. And when you spend a lot of time in it, that's, I think that's what happens when you study things for a long time, right? Is that you get to the point where it's like, am I really doing the, the right things or am I just doing a bunch of things? So I, I think that I'm at that next level of, of, you know, kind of not just exploring, but exploring mastery a little bit more. I wrote about that recently on, on, on the site. So I'm able to probably, because I've learned a lot and know a lot more, I'm able to actually probably relate more to the people who are not so much into the the space as I am, and yet I can still like go toe to toe with you know like Michael Schechter on a weekly basis, and also you know like with uh, we had Karash Dini and and uh, Tham uh, from um, from Asian Efficiency on a recent mics on mics, and it was just like a productivity roundtable, and we were just you know having a blast. So I, I think that my role now in the space is to kind of say, okay, you know what? Here are some great tools. Here are some great tips. Here here's how you can apply them to real life situations. And here's how you can not get caught up so much in the, hey, there's 20,000 different task managers. Uh-oh, I'm now learning how to use task managers really well as opposed to finding the one that works for me. 
Oh, yeah. I hate that I've tried however many apps out there that there are for just whether it's planning your day or keeping track of tasks or calendaring or – I mean how do you do that? How do you determine maybe when you have a new need for a tool, like a felt need that there's there's a, an itch that needs scratching with a tool? And how do you test that tool and give it like a proper test or how do you do that? When I was working for the next web, I was the apps editor. So I ended up testing a lot of apps, some that I didn't have any interest in at all. And then some I was like, oh, you know, so I would pursue those with, you know, with great fervor. But now that I'm, you know, and I still get a lot of those requests, especially, you know, after life hack and all that stuff. And I still do occasionally write for Cult of Mac. But what I've done is I actually, I actually create a template that I use that I can easily uh, kind of look at. It's a text expander. Uh, for those of you who don't know what text expander is, it's like a, a kind of a keyboard shortcut way to enter text or very characters or code or whatever. Uh, and it's a Mac-only product. I think there's one on the, the PC as well, but I can never remember its name. Uh, so uh, what I do is I actually use that to enter it into test a new product. So if I'm testing a new to-do list or a new task manager, that's what I use. So that way I'm invested in seeing how it will work and the template I use is actually something, I, uh, an old project that's long been completed. So now I can, you know, so there's still some personal attachment to it. So I'm not like, eh, well, if this doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. There's still kind of that, I kind of trick myself a bit. Uh, so that's how I'm able to do it. But if I'm adding something new, like something like a, an app like My Minutes or 3030 or something, it, it it's basically the way I, I look at it is I, I, if I see that there's a product that I'm like, oh, you know, this one tracks how many hours I'm spending in, in deliberate practice, which is something that Cal Newport talks about in his book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Uh, I'm like, I don't have something that does that. So that's when I will add it to the workflow. But but I have to look at where, it's not just how, but where I add it, like what piece of the puzzle it goes into. So, you know, if I'm using OmniFocus for my task management, for individual task management, uh, and I'm like, all right, well, now I need to, I want to track how much time I'm spending working on this book. Then I'll use contexts for apps. So for example, and you can do that with uh, with any of them. So contexts or tags. So if you're using Evernote, you can use tags instead. Or if you're using things, I think things is tags as well. So what I'll do is I'll put, you know, like track hours spent writing today. And then I'll use my minutes as the context. So I, I get very specific with those contexts that are related to those apps. And then if I find what I do is in my weekly review is if I find that I'm not using the app all that much, it'll show up in the weekly review process that OmniFocus offers and for any of them really. So I can say, oh, you know what? I've only used my minutes like twice. Am I really using it? Does it really matter to me all that much or am I just uh, blowing smoke up, up, up my own, right? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So that's, that's a trick that you can use to kind of say, hey – Am I really Evernote? Evernote was one of those, right? Like Evernote, I was not using a lot at all until probably over the past year. I've gotten more into it, and the reason I was able to see this, I'm like, oh look, I've, the context of Evernote is getting used a lot more. I'm spending more time in that. So yeah, that's one way to do it, and I think that's probably for people who are new to it. It's probably the best way is to because contexts are no longer. And we this was talked about at the OmniFocus setup, and people have talked about this time and time again. It's no longer like home office, computer, you know, those things. Uh, I tend to use things like specific apps for that purpose. Uh, I use contexts like low energy and high energy instead mm -hmm. to, to, to dictate, you know, for my light lifting days and heavy lifting days, which I've written about before to say, okay, you know what, like we talked about before one on the air, I've got a bit of a cough. Uh, okay, maybe today is a low energy day. So what are the things that I can do so I can knock off a bunch of tasks or, or make progress and go forward so that I'm not, you know, paralyzed. And so I think with, with, with workflows, if you put yourself in a position where you can measure it, then that allows you to really refine your workflow to a point where it's not getting in the way instead of, you know, it, instead of helping you on your way. Okay. And you mentioned a couple of different things there I'd love to touch on. One, mm -hmm. uh, OmniFocus, I know you're seen as a, you know, quote unquote expert on that. I know you, you mentioned the OmniFocus uh, setup, which was really cool to see some of the videos that came out of that. Why OmniFocus? Like what, what are the benefits there for that? OmniFocus is one of those applications that is as powerful as you want it or need it to be, but it can be as simple as, as you want it. You don't really need to go in great guns. And I think that's one of the things that probably Evernote falls into this line too, where people go, wow, look how big it is. I can't use it. You know, like yeah. it's too much for me, but it's not, you know, I, I think that 
for me, one of the things that really appealed to me about OmniFocus, and I kept coming back to it, and actually, if you watch the panel discussion, uh, Chris from Omni, the Omni Group uh, took me to task with, uh, no pun intended, with my uh, penchant for, for switching task management apps. He goes, you're, you're known for switching. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but the idea that their mobile apps have worked so well since the get-go on iOS, and they all did one thing a little bit better than the other, did. So the iPad version was fantastic for the weekly review and for forecasting. So you could go in, for those of you not familiar with OmniFocus, um, you can go in and, and the weekly review process, which uh, uh, David Allen is, you know, a big, like that's, that's one of the key tenets of GTD. Like if you don't do the weekly review, then you're, you know, you're, you're going to fall down. So uh, what it has, is it has this option called review where you can go in and you can actually look at all the things, all the projects, all the, all the things you've got going on and go through them every week. So that way you're not, and you can set them up to be differently too. Like every day you can go through it every week. So that way you're not falling behind or falling off the wagon. Uh, that uh, practice in the iPhone app and the Mac app were nowhere nearly as good, if not even available. The iPhone app has great location awareness, right? Because, I mean, you're not going to carry around your iPad necessarily everywhere you go. But if you're in a location and you're like, you know, groceries or errands and you've got, you know, a specific errand that you're going to be doing and you say, OK, grocery shopping is one of them. It'll say, oh, well, I'm at the Safeway and this is where the location is. And OmniFocus is reminding me to go and buy cat litter or buy, you know, milk or bread or whatever. Right. So that that aspect is really great as well. And then the Mac app just allows you to really refine what are called perspectives. So different custom views. So it's really, really powerful. But you could literally go in and say, you know, what, I've got this big project and I'm going to use OmniFocus, I'm going to add five tasks to it, and that's it. Or you could use it as a simple to-do list, but it scales, and not a lot of them do. Evernote's another one that scales. Things scales to a point, too. Asana is another one, and Flow. Both these, all these apps scale, but a simple to-do list uh, doesn't scale. And that's why when I look at people and they say, oh, I've got my to-do list, I'm like, well, that's not really your list. It's just the list of the things that you've got. In most cases, if you write down a to-do list or use a to-do list app, you're not really working on the things that are going to move you forward on the things you really want to do. It's just the things that you say, okay, well, this is what I have to do today. And the have to do's are fine. You need to do them. But you got to have some want to do's or, you know, the go forward to do's. So that way you're not going to be just writing a to-do list every day for the rest of your life and not actually getting anywhere with them. Yeah. And I've heard you say somewhere before, somewhere in what I've read of, of what you're writing is that a to-do list is not enough, which I mean, that's my title of the show right there is, you know, beyond the to-do list. You tend to focus more toward projects instead of just singular tasks. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, and I think that that's important. A lot of people when they uh, and I'll do workshops with people and they'll write down something like clean kitchen. I'm like, that's a project. They're like, no, no, it's on my to-do list. I'm like, yes, it is. But it's not a task. <laughs> it's a project. Because imagine giving uh, – I mean I, I have kids. I have a two-year-old and an eight-year-old. And even my eight-year-old, if I say, can you clean the kitchen? She's going to clean the kitchen the way she feels she needs to clean the kitchen. But she may miss the floor and may not wipe the counters and stuff. I'm like, well, I cleaned the kitchen. Well, but if you, if you look at the clean kitchen as a project, you go, okay, well, what's involved with cleaning the kitchen? Cleaning the sink, doing the dishes, clean. I mean, that's what it is. So in a lot of cases, what I ask people to do is when they write out their to-do list is I ask them to look at it and ask them to review it before they actually go on with their day and say, all right, are any of these things, do they have multiple steps? They do? Okay. Grab another index card if that's what they're using or grab another sheet of paper or open up another you know, text file or whatever they're using and break down that into the into the steps because cleaning the kitchen if you do once you do that and you say you've got 10 things on your list and clean kitchen is one of them uh, all of a sudden you may have 20 things on your list because you didn't eat, properly evaluate it so i like to have people look at pro, like their to-do list and really get a good look at it because chances are there's at least one or two projects that you've put on there that you've missed that you're so you're basically misjudging your day right oh yeah do you have any kind of best practices for helping people determine in their devising of their to-do list, so to speak, that it's not just a list of – they see it as a list of tasks, but mm -hmm. it's really a list of projects and then they'll never start any of those projects because they've not broken down any of those projects into singular tasks. Is there any way to get people beyond doing that? I think I think one of the ways – and this, this is going to sound stupid – uh, to a lot of people. But uh, it's funny. One of the earlier studies I did with exploring the, the realm of productivity and time management was I, I looked at uh, Anthony Robbins, who, who is a guru or, and, and possibly a self-described one. 
But he has, you know, on his system, he actually writes down sleep. So he actually has that as a task called sleep. So what I would do initially is I actually did that. I followed that, which was really dumb because, I mean, honestly, to schedule, scheduling sleep to me was just – it just doesn't seem – doesn't sit well anymore. But what, what about eating? Okay, so if you look at eating and you say, what do you have to do today? Well, I have to eat. Okay, how many times do you have to eat? Well, I have to eat three times. Okay, so write down eat three times. I'm like, well, then the, I, I, what I'm basically trying to get at is, is that – if you, you look at the steps that are involved in it, eat, writing down eat once just means you're going to have to cross it off three times because you're probably going to eat three times a day, right? But you need to look at it at its simplest of terms and you have to break it down into as many steps as possible if there are multiple steps. Making a phone call is one step, right? But if it's contact you know, Jim about car, it could be I don't have Jim's phone number. So look up Jim's phone number. Like really – look at that task and look at your list. And, and that's the best practice because when you capture it, you're writing down things as they come to you. You know, like I'll have write book. Okay, well, that's great. <laughs> that's, 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 that's It's awesome. that easy. That's that easy. You know, okay, I'll write the book. But you have to look at it and the, th- the question you have to ask yourself is, is that one step? Is this all I have? Is that the one step? And if someone says, yeah, write book is one step. No, it's not. I mean, if th- then they're fooling themselves. So they really need to look at it and say, okay, is there multiple steps involved to do this one thing on my to-do list? If there is, then it's not a task. It's a project. And one of the ways uh, that I suggest people do that is if they, there's two ways you can do it. One is you just – I put a P in a circle next to it if I realize it's a project and then I'll create a separate list for it. Or I'll just remove it from the to-do list. I'll, like I'll just bypass it as you're going through the to-do list, right? So I mean – and I can do that in my task management app as well. I can look at it and go, okay, well, that's part of a project. I'm going to avoid that project because I need to devote more time to it. So I'm going to crank out these other things like send emails to so-and-so and da 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 So those kind of things, that, that will be a big help if you're using a written to-do list. It's just to kind of look at it and go, okay, well, these are, this has, requires more than one step. So I'm going to mark it as a project and I'll deal with it later and I'll, I'll create a separate list for that. But another way is if you're using a digital task management system is to sort by context. So if you're looking at your to-do list and you've got, okay, well, this task applies to this project, right? So, uh, or, the, or sorry, sort by, um, or, or this task applies to this, I can make this phone call using my phone. But if you look at your views and OmniFocus lets you do this, and I believe if things does as well, this will help me move forward on this project, great. Then you focus on the project. But if you're making phone calls, you're like, I'm sitting for 20 minutes in front of the phone, and you make all those phone calls, you'll look at your projects that are listed next to it and go, oh, wow, I made two phone calls that are moving me forward on this project. Or I made uh, sent eight, eight emails that are going to move me forward on this project. So using some, some system like that will help you. And you can use it with, you know, I mean, again, with assist, Asana has tags, and so does Flow. So things like that. But it takes thinking, and that's the problem is most people just write down their to-do list and they go, all right, I got to get this done, and they don't really think about it. So a, a thoughtful approach and, and doing that front-end work is so essential because it, it's – I use this analogy the, uh, at, a, at a recent workshop. You don't show up for a camping trip and start drinking before you set up the tent because <laughs> what if it starts raining? Then you're stuck outside drinking in the rain. Whereas if you set up your tent first, at least you know, and it, it's, it's off your mind. Okay, you know what? If it starts raining, we know where we can go. We go to the tent. But, you know, so many people, when they get camping, what's the first thing they want to do? They don't want to set up a tent. No one really wants to do that when they, go to, when they show up at a campground right away. They, they want to just start to have fun. But in order to have fun, they need to put themselves in a position where they can have fun without thinking about what happens when something happens. So that, that's, that's what I think you need to do is that front-end work. And a lot of the front-end work involves thinking. Thinking's hard. <laughs> it, I've said that – I think I tweeted this in the past couple of weeks where I had a day recently where I really didn't get much done but I sat and thought so much about the different things that needed to be done and organized it. I was so much more effective the next couple of weeks because I sat and did that. And that was almost like a pre – it was almost like a weekly review, but it wasn't weekly. It wasn't scheduled. It was more like a pre-monthly review or something like that. So It's like, it's like a brain dump review combination. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the, the other thing is a lot of people – it's so hard to describe people how important it is to like just write everything down. Like as a writer, I get that. And as someone who did comedy before, like if I had a joke that came to mind or I saw something funny, I would write it down. I remember going in a plane 
just a joke. I pulled out my index cards, and, and I mean, it's simple as an index card and binder clips. And somebody is trying to stuff their bag in the overhead barrier, and they go, "God help me!" And I'm like, "He can't help you with that bag, I'm afraid." So like, there was. So I wrote, wrote that down. I mean, yeah, not very funny in the, in a, but it's something. It's a nugget, right? It could start something. And I think that that's what's a, what you need to do. You you if you start capturing that stuff, then you're going to get a better handle on. When you curate it, right? So you're going to say, oh, well, this is worth it. This isn't this. And you can apply that to your to-do list. Well, I don't really need to do this thing. Or this thing is much bigger than it is. So once you start that process of capturing, that's a big, big step towards getting more effective and, and efficient with your with your work and with your life in general. Like my wife wants me to book a hair appointment with for my daughter at this boutique here in Victoria where I'm, where we live. And she's like, I don't think I'll remember. I don't think I, uh, she goes, uh, I like, look, I'll take care of it. I literally pulled out the notebook that was in my pocket while we're sitting at the dinner table and wrote it down. And she's like that. Why would you interrupt dinner? And I said, because it may not be important right now, but it will be later when you want me to call tomorrow. And that way I'm taking that off your mind. And the fact you saw me write it down means that, you know, I'm going to take care of it. And, and that means that, that, so I think that that's, that's hugely important. And it takes a lot of practice to do that. I mean, how long did it take? You capture a lot of stuff, right? You capture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How long did it take you to really finally get comfortable with doing that? Oh, gosh. Oh, it took a while because honestly, I was capturing things and then doing nothing with them. I had right. to build in the curation time or the, the processing time to do something with it. Right. Right. But but the idea and, and that's just it is that most people, they skip that. They don't. They, they figure they don't even start the capture process. They're like, well, wait a minute. Why am I writing everything down? I'm not going to be able to possibly do everything. So why I'm just going to write down the things that I feel are important. But you don't can't evaluate things that quickly. It, when something comes to you, you don't know how important it's going to be until you actually sit down later and look at it and go, oh, that thing. That's mm-hmm. right. And I think that that's the problem is people. And Merlin said this at the OmniFocus setup. He said, you know, we're we capture because we are really smart. Because we don't want to, you know, smart people need to capture. Because if they don't, then they're, they're, they, they basically try to be too smart for their own good. They're thinking, you know, oh, I'll remember that or I'll know why that's important. But the thing is, once you write it down, you're freeing your mind up to do a lot, a lot more with the bandwidth that's got available. If it's just sticking in your mind, then it, and it's going to stay there. You, David Allen talks about this too, like mind like water. You got to clear, you got to do the brain dumps, right? And, and, a lot of people just – that's the biggest roadblock. Once you start doing that, then the curation comes later. But I mean – and the curation will come when you look at all those index cards and go, oh my, what, what, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Well, you have, you have a choice. You can either leave it and let it pile up or you can look at it and go, OK, well, can I do – do, defer, delegate, delete, right? Yeah, that's one of those things. Do you ever do um, – when I talked to John Acuff a couple weeks ago, he said something along the lines of where he's taking time – specifically in his day now to literally be silent and do nothing. And I and I asked him, well are you taking a notebook with you to that or you know write you know going to write an idea down or whatever? He said, "No, because if I do, it'll turn into a brainstorming session and then that's not what I blocked that time out for." Have you ever experienced anything like that? I don't really take silent time like that, but I do practice yoga now and I do run, so that's when I I I often find that ideas come to me during those times and I don't bring a notebook for that. So like when I'm running, I'll often be, you know, I'll, I'll use like the Nike plus app because that way I can kind of, you know, crowd, like get the raw, raw cheers from people on path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I, you know, if an idea comes to me and it sticks during that time, then when I get home, I'll write it down. But I mean, I'm gone for like a half hour and I'm running around and I live in like on an Island. So, I mean, I can run to the ocean in basically 20 minutes. And so that's what I'll do is I'll run and I'll sit at the ocean. I won't bring the notebook. And there's a time where I'll sit there and sit in front of the ocean for 15, 20 minutes. And that's just where, I mean, there's nothing better than doing blue sky thinking in front of an ocean, right? Like you're just oh, kind of yeah. sitting there. <laughs> so, so, but those times and same with yoga, like, I mean, I do a video series at home and I'm, I'm practicing that. And, and there with yoga, it's like that meditation, you know, you notice it, it comes into your mind, you let it go. You notice it. You, if it's, it's that old adage in, in that practice yeah. of, if it if it comes if what's that that saying uh, if you love something let it go and if it was yours man it'll come back to you yep. that's what that's how I look at it if if it comes back to me later then it's something that's really you know something that I'm really grasping and I want to want to foster but that if I don't like John said and his new book is really good I've just started to dig into it 
Um, start, I think it's called, right? Yeah. Start. Uh, I've just started it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. His, that's the sequel, I think. Yes. Like him, I, if I bring something to the table that it just becomes a crowded table and I'm not, then, then I'm sort of sullying the experience of the, the run or the yoga practice. Okay. Now, kind of go, dipping into that whole, you know, theoretical or let's see here. I, I'm trying to figure out a way to go from yoga to willpower esoteric yeah there you go (laughs) to be out there in that it struck me as funny and then completely kind of hit me on the head that uh, that of course you would be uh the green lantern (laughs) like when i saw you tweet the picture of the 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 ring and i thought oh that that just makes sense with what i've read about what you're doing and you know all all the stuff i was just like okay so i have to ask how do you see willpower Okay, explain what's a Green Lantern first off in in as little as you can say about it. I also – I read I, I read Green Lantern. So. See, so I'm glad because you said what's a Green Lantern. I'm like, yes, so he does read it or he knows – because there isn't just one Green Lantern. Right. Like that's that's a lot of people like, well, isn't that the guy that Ryan Reynolds? He's the Green Lantern. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, uh, no the uh, Green Lantern are there – they're a, a core of intergalactic space police. Uh, that are that, and basically they wield a ring uh, that is uh, powered. That basically it's green, and green is the color of willpower. In, in of this the spe- emotional it, spectrum of the emotional spectrum, as opposed to which is weird because a lot of people go, "Isn't envy?" I'm like, "Shut up! No, it's not. It's willpower." <laughs> <laughs> no, but, that would be like that. That would be more like orange. So that's yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, avarice, and, and there's only one orange lantern. And right I don't want to so. geek totally out all over no, no, all no, the no, spectrum here, away. but. Yeah. Yeah, but but so so basically, um, I found, and it really came to light when I I, I was getting back into comic books uh, over the past couple of years, and the Green Lantern really resonated with me because of the idea that willpower, and and I looked at the other uh, the opposite of the emotional spectrum, which you know in this case his arch enemy, which would be Sinestro, and he's a Yellow Lantern, and Yellow Lanterns rings are powered by fear, and so the enemy, I mean. Uh, when you look at it from the productivity expectation, from the the whole idea of, of this, is that you know the reason we don't do a lot of the things that we really want to do that will move us forward. Instead of you know like so we look at our to do list and go, well, I'll do these things, and that way I've you know I've done I've got things done, um, is because we're afraid. Because what happens if we do that thing? And it, ge- it either gives us more work that we're either not ready for or that we are ready for but don't want to face. You know, like, for example, me writing the book. You know, when I put the front nine out there, I'm like, oh, boy. Uh, it's, yeah, I wrote the book. Uh, but, you know, I started writing the book. It's like, well, what if I get it done no one likes it? Or what if I, what if it's not as good as, as it could be? Or, you know, so that's what fear comes in. It's like that lizard brain uh, aspect that Seth Godin talks about mm-hmm. a lot. Or the resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks yeah. about. Uh, so... The Green Lantern, I've got like avatars of him all over the place. So I've got the ring that my kids got for me for for Christmas uh, and my wife, my kids. And thanks to Michael Schechter for kind of saying, hey, here's the one that I think you should get because Schechter's a jeweler and jewelers know these things. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I've got that. So I wear that when I'm writing, when I know that, you know, hey, I could easily be distracted by the Internet or, hey, why don't I go? I mean, I work from home. So why don't I go watch TV for a bit? So the willpower element is a huge component to try to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I've got 20 things on my list that need to be done today, but what are the most important? And what's going to take the most willpower to get done? You know, like the the guest post for Huffington Post, again, because, you know, well, what if they don't like it? Or what if they... So that's kind of where the willpower comes into play for me with this stuff. And it's the same thing with doing that front-end work, right? And all the stuff I was talking about earlier. It takes willpower to push through that because the reward... At the end is going to be, you know, so much. It's going to allow you to do so much more. Uh, whereas if you're fearful, then all you're going to be doing is, you know, basically being held back. So that's that's the idea behind the Green Lantern when it comes to this stuff. I'm a big visual touchstone kind of person. I've got the beat resistance thing that Stephen Pressfield talks about, the placard on my desk. I've got a again comic book reference. I've got the Vision, who's from Marvel. And he's a bobblehead that's on my desk, and I use that as a, a means of going, okay, you know, what is my vision? What do I really, you know, my vision statement kind of stuff. And then I've got, uh, again, just another Green Lantern thing, and I've got a picture of my kids on my desk as well to remind me why I'm really doing all this stuff because I want to show my kids, hey, you can do what you love to do, make a living at it, and make, you know, as little compromise as possible. So 
the the but the Green Lantern. I even wear the Green Lantern ring when I'm running sometimes because sometimes you get to a point where it's like oh, I shouldn't run anymore or I don't really want to run. Yeah, but you know what? If you do, then you're going to live longer and or you, you're likely to live longer and those kind of things. So I think that that willpower. And there's a book that David Allen contributed to, and I can't remember who the author is. that talks about willpower, and uh, I think it's highly that in in coupled with discipline because I think you can't have you you can't really have one without the other in this case. Uh, really allows me to get a lot more done and spend a lot more time doing the things I really want to do as opposed to just spending a lot more things just doing. Yeah, I, I hear you with that. And it sounds to me like you're, you're almost bringing in, you know, a few other of the emotional spectrum colors in mm-hmm. your motivation, you know, where you've got like, for example, not to go all frou-frou, but the Star Sapphires thing, there is, theirs is like love. Yep. So that would be your family, Yep. you know, and uh, blue being hope and... Hopefully not Agent Orange being, you know, av- avarice, greed, well, well, this or anger, red. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> well, you know what, though? But I they mean, can be good motivators once in a while, and that's the, weir- that's the good thing. I mean, it's, it's a spectrum, so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and it's, it's interesting because uh, one of the things that I, I felt by doing this, and I've done a couple talks where, um, and Chris Brogan did a talk at World Domination Summit last year where he got into the superhero stuff and he talked about, you know, finding your superpower. And I was right into that talk because I'm like, yes, yes, you know. And, and, and I think that when what people need if they're not in this space is something that they can relate to. And it's hard for people to relate to technology and context and GTD and stuff like that when they, they've not really read it. I mean, GTD is not a, it's not a tough book to read. Uh, in terms of length, but it's a tough book to read if you're not, if you if you go into it and you're and it's not that you're not ready to read it, but that you don't really you you it's hard, it's a hard message for you to read, right? You know, yeah. it's like oh, you know, he's right, he's right, he's right. And so, what's easier to do? Well, it's easier to put the book down and go back to what you were doing, as opposed to keeping on, keeping on. And the thing about that book too, just like the thing about you know wearing my ring or. You know, reading up on um, and the evolution of productivity, the productivity space in general, is it's becoming different. Every, it's evolving every time you read it. So every time you read Getting Things Done, you're going to get a different message out of it. Every time you you look at a, at, a, at an application, you're going to go, hey, what can I do with this application that's going to work for me? So, I mean, when I did the Evernote beer seller post, I had a lot of people going, wow, I didn't know it could do that. Well, yeah, it could do whatever you – I mean, there's so many things you can do with these things. OmniFocus, the whole idea of adding recipes from this app on the iPad called Basil to OmniFocus to say, hey, look, here's the recipe. I've titled the, the task Wednesday and the name of the recipe is this. So now on Wednesday, I know this is what I'm cooking and here it is, the link to it and it opens it up and I go, there's the recipe. And people are like, well, that's stupid. Why don't you just write out a meal plan? I'm like, well, because then I go to one place where I know, hey, okay, what's today? Today is Wednesday. Oh, I have to do this and this and this. Uh, this will move these things forward. Oh, right, dinner. Because you can, when you're in a state of flow or you're in a, I mean, you can forget things like that. So I'm, you know, I use the tools to help me be, be better. And I think that that's what a lot of people look at. They go, wow, I didn't really realize it could be used for that. Well, it could be used for whatever you want. If someone asks me, and I'm sure if they ask you this too, what's the best to-do list manager? What's the best task manager? You go, <laughs> well, I don't know. Because you don't, it's going to be subjective. It's a completely subjective question. You don't know how every person's work habits are going to be. You don't know if they're an analog or a digital person. So I think that if you can bring back some touchstones, like the Green Lantern thing, I said, you know, who's the enemy of Green Lantern? Like five hands went up and one person shouted, Sinestro Fear. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like whoa, okay, I, I, found a, I found something I can, I can relate to. And the whole camping thing and stuff. If yeah. you can find those, those relatables, those real life kind of like, hey, everyone goes camping or a lot of people go camping or there's a lot of comic book nerds out there. Uh, then you can really bring home the the idea of that. Hey, look! If you if you do this front end work, if you use this notebook, if you use this application, you can have a better life. Not just better work, but a better life because you're putting yourself in a position to do so. That's one of the things I've tried to get across to people as as hopeful. And you just basically did said it bluntly. Is this this is what this is all about? I mean, the show's called Beyond the To Do List for a point. It's not just about listing off tasks. It's not just about even having the projects listed and even done. It's that once the stuff's done, like what's the point after that? Like what are what's the end goal? What are we aiming at here with all this? And that's the point is, is to have a better life. Like do better work, be happier, do things that you enjoy. And you do all those by being 
as structured or as organized in your own style and functioning at that, you know, at that higher or better or whatever level that you need to do. And, and again, you put it great with latching onto whatever you need to do to do that, what, whatever tool that's your style, whatever methodology, whatever, you know, flow, whatever you want to call it, that that's, that's real. The approach has to be uniquely yours. You need to be a student of you and know you well enough. And some people maybe need to take more time and do a little more of that first before applying, you know, okay, I'm going to use this tool because Mike and Eric said so. Well, and it's uh, Patrick Rohn wrote a great post called The Best Upgrade is You. And uh, when I talked about on my, my recent post about exploring uh, productivity and exploring mastery, a new, new approach to it, uh, he's right. And, and the thing is, there's nothing more frustrating for me than to say, when someone gets through their to-do list, what do they do with it? Well, what do you, the, most often they'll make their next to-do list. Like that's all they'll do. They'll be like, okay, well, I've got all this stuff done so I can add more to it. In, instead of saying, oh, wow, like – I got this stuff done. Now, what else is really important that I need to do? Because most people, when they write down their to-do list for the day, it's it's often the urgent stuff. Like they don't do a priority matrix stuff or they don't use an app like Eisenhower and say, okay, well, what do I need to do and what don't I? I mean, that's, that's a building block I start with people with as well. I'm like, okay, if you're having problems with your to-do list, write down – Go into either go to Eisenhower.me and use that app or get an iPhone and use it that way or or just write you know, do the quadrants on on a piece of paper and do it right. that way. Right? The other thing is is that I mean, I know David Allen will say, and he said this, he says it's a systematic approach. Take what you want from GTD and use it and throw away what you don't. Uh, some people can't deal with the whole idea that calendars are meant for date-specific actions or appointments. Some people need to schedule time. Some people need to use their calendar, and that's fine. I don't do that. I don't necessarily recommend that people do that, but I'm all for people scheduling time for themselves if that's what they need to do. If they say, you know, I'm going to block out two hours from 9 to 11 for my own time, I'm, I'm going to do that. So make it your own, but put a system in place because when you have a framework or a structure you can go to, it's your touchstone. It's the thing that says, okay, that, that's your anchor. It's it's the thing that you go, okay, you know what? I'm floating out to sea. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm losing my way. Let's go back to my system. Oh, okay. This is what I've got. I know that no matter what, between one and three today, I'm going to be, you know, doing my own blue sky stuff or I'm going to be having a meeting with myself or, you know what, no matter what, I know I'm going to check email second. I'm going to do my most important task first. As simple or as complex as you need your, 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 your structure to be, you have to have it because if you don't, then you're going to be twisting in the wind more often than not. When you twist in the wind, you end up going places you don't really want to go. Oh, yeah. That actually is a good segue maybe back into when you talked about being sick or having low energy. That's one of those instances where got your anchor, it helps you to have plan B. Awareness. I mean, this is all about awareness, right? Like when you when the reason you're capturing is because you want to be aware of the task when you need to be aware of it. You, you know, the reason you have the system in the structure is because you want to be aware of of that stuff when you're no matter where you are and no matter what situation you're in. The reason you, you monitor your energy, and I've got that product. Uh, I mean, I'm working on a little sheet that will help people out, you know, with, you know, hey, you know, what's your energy level like today? Is this a heavy lifting day or a light lifting day? Like, I'm working on something like that for the site as well. The other thing in this, we go back to the Green Lantern, the willpower stuff, is that it also gets very easy for people to go, you know what? It's a light lifting day, light lifting day, low energy day. Low. And, and you, that's where, again, more discipline, knowing yourself, being aware to go, you know what? I'm really only fooling myself right now. I'm not it's I'm not, my energy level is only low for like the first hour and now I'm feeling like I'm I'm building up and some in some cases those low energy tasks actually can compound so that you get to the point where they become high energy tasks or you start doing enough of low energy ones that your energy level goes up so then you become a, you're into high energy so it's all about self awareness and that self thing is so important because like you said you know I mean if you don't put yourself in a position where you've got this, you know, if, if you've got the system and you've got your, you want to go beyond the to-do list, the only way you can go beyond is if you know where you really want to go. And if you don't know where you really want to go, then you're not really self-aware. You're just basically, you know, your Pavlov's dog, right? Yeah. Now we're talking high energy and low energy tasks for somebody who's maybe never heard those terms before. What are some examples that fit in those categories? Again, subjective to a point, because I can say, you know, email for me is a low energy task, but for somebody who works in customer service or a community manager, they may be high energy tasks. In fact, some emails may be low energy and some emails may be high energy, which is why I like using those as context as opposed to email as a context, because 
Uh, I can check. I mean, where can I send email from? I can send it from an app like Close, which I use, or I can send it from my iPhone, my iPad, whatever. So, I mean, some emails will take very little energy, you know, like um, <laughs> those simple thank you or yes emails, which I'm not a fan of, but. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and then the other ones, which is like, hey, you know, I want to do an interview with you. Can you look at your schedule and tell me what time? Okay, well, that might be a bit high energy because I need to be really into the awareness of where my day is going and stuff like that. Uh, or, you know, that would be an example of, of one that could be low or high. Another low, I mean, low energy task, take out the garbage. Let's see, around the house. Uh, you know, like uh, water the plants, things like that. Those are low energy, and those are also ones that, again, they propel you forward. They're like, okay, well, that's done, that's done, that's done. High energy would be like, if you do this, write blog post or work on taxes, you know, like assemble receipts or, or something like that. Like, so it's going to be subjective, but the thing is, anything that you feel is going to be, no pun intended, taxing, the more taxing it is, the higher, more high energy it is. The, the, the less impactful it's going to be in terms of draining you, then it's low energy. And again, in some cases, it's going to be the day of the week that dictates it. For example, I'm a stay-at-home dad. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the days that I'm home with my son. And if you ask me to do a heavy lifting task on that day, I'm going to tell you that there's not a chance I'm going to be able to do it during that day. So that also dictates when I do high energy and low energy tasks. I'll do a lot of email checking and a lot of social media stuff on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when my son's playing or whatever because that's the kind of day. And I can afford the interruption. That's another thing too. I guess high energy tasks, you want to be as disrupt, least disruptive situation as possible. Least, and disruptions and distractions are very different. I think that with low energy tasks, if you're in the middle of an email and the phone rings or your kid falls down or someone, you know, picks, calls you at the office or, you know, sends you an IM, you can afford to be interrupted and not go, oh, I have to work the energy to back up to complete this task. That's a good point. And even willpower comes in right there. Like it suddenly mm -hmm. some, you know, there's a task that is urgent and it's important and it's a day where you have low energy. Well, suddenly you've got to just fake yourself in. I mean, hopefully you have the ability to kick in your willpower, but sometimes you've just got to fake it because ultimately you you know your priority and it and whatever it is really is in the context of its priority, urgent and it's important. But ultimately, so. yeah, ultimately you do those situations should be as rare as possible. And right. if you do the front end work, then they will be. Like people, that's it. Oh, I have so much that has to get done today. I'm like, well, why does it have to get done today? Well, because it's due today. Okay, well, why why wasn't it done before? <laughs> right. Well, because what a lot of people will do, and I mean, the, the every day should be a due date, D O date for for important stuff, right? It sh you should be making marked progress towards that that important task. And that way it doesn't become urgent and important. It just become, it stays in that not urgent and important zone. Because the problem is if so many things get to urgent and important, and sometimes it's not going to be you that dictates that either. Sometimes it's going to be your boss. Sometimes it's going to be you know your family. Sometimes those things are going to happen. But the ones you have control over, if you can mitigate those to keep them going forward on them regularly and don't write down, okay, well, it's due on April 15th and on April 14th, you're like, uh-oh, it's due tomorrow. You know, I mean, and that's why I don't like putting due dates on things. In my task management application, I use uh, primarily use start dates. Things like taking out the garbage, I'll put that as a due date because that's, you know, I know the garbage goes out on this date. But for most things, I'll do start dates. And that way I'm making marked progress. And I don't use the calendar to say, okay, this project or this milestone is due on, you know, it's due on this date. If anything, and I've talked to somebody about this because uh, they're like, well, I have milestones and it's due on April 15th. I go, just put the name of the thing on the 15th and make it an all-day thing. Don't put do, just put milestone, blank, you know, and, and try to try to trick your brain into going, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to have to, that's, this is not the absolute last day. Plus, it's a project anyways. So you've got other tasks that you've been doing that are going to make progress towards it. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the tricky part too, is, is the whole idea of, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, how do I keep making progress on these things? And that's why a to-do list, you have to go beyond the to-do list, like you said, because if you, do, if you stick with the to-do list alone, you're going to end up having a lot more urgent and important tasks as opposed to necessarily important and urgent tasks, right? Yeah. I'm glad you referenced uh, doing the, the front end work, because I'd love to jump in and talk a little bit about the front nine. So what I know was, a bit. I, I know a bit about it. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, there's there's a book there. Somebody's written a book about this called "The Front Nine by Mike Vardy, which is you. What can you tell us about? What was your inspiration for writing the book? And can you give us a brief overview? Because I've read it, I love it, and I want other people to buy it. 
So there's my endorsement. Perfect, perfect. That that blurb is going on the back. It's got to go on Amazon and Goodreads too. <laughs> Although, does it matter now? You know what? Amazon I, and Goodreads are both the same now. I think so. Uh, <laughs> just well, put it on one, and there you go. <laughs> and honestly, I'm I'm writing myself a note to make sure I've given it an, a five star review on Amazon. Yeah, so. that's that's an, that's an urgent and important task. Yes. By the way. Um, so the front nine basically is a it's called the front nine. How to start the year you want anytime you want. And the word year can be interchangeable here. Like uh, it's funny because when a lot of people are you know. When David Allen says, oh, it's a systematic approach, and most people for GTD say, oh, you have to follow it by the letter of the law. Same thing with the 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 practical applications. Mine is more of a why-to book than a how-to book anyways. I, I talk about the different things that you can do, but I don't say here's how, exactly how you can have the year you want, because there's going to be, you know, I, I talked about, you know, there's there's three components in the book. And again, it could be how to start the project you want anytime you want or how to start making progress towards the goal you want anytime you want. So I taught the book's breaking down, broken down into three different areas, the drive, the fairway and the green. And you I mean, John's book, the start is, is got a lot of, you know, ideas about, you know, just start. Well, the drive in, in my book, I talk about, you know, there's different ways like when you're and I use the golf analogy a lot, which which makes it accessible for a lot of people who aren't into productivity and also for businessmen who golf. Uh, so, <laughs> so and we have golf here here year round in Victoria, like Christmas Day, there's golfing here because we don't get a lot of snow up here in, 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 in Van, on Vancouver Island. We just don't on the Pacific. We're in the Pacific Northwest. So we're just like Seattle and, and that and that we don't get a lot of it. But uh, so the drive is all about how to start. Either you know, either you can go fast and 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 maybe not with as much direction, but you get as far as possible. Uh, you can go you know really really specific, but make shorter steps. So your your initial launch is maybe not as far. Or you can do like a measured approach and a measured. Uh, so you try to get kind of get as far as you can, but as as focused as you can in that step. Then the fairway talks about the different hazards you can come across, uh, how to get around them, what tools you can use. Like, you know, and, and then the green is about the short game, which in the game of golf is what most golfers struggle with. And in life, the finish of a project, I'm sure you can attest to this as much as I can. It's the toughest part because there's the fine tuning. There's the actual getting done. There's, I mean, the book in of itself was an example of like, Oh boy, it's almost done. Oh, you know, I'll I'll go do something else really quickly. Like, you know, it's that, that again, the fear of like, Oh, and it's done now, what do I do? Or now what happens with it? So, um, it, it, I break it down into those and I make it as accessible as possible using, you know, practical examples from my life and from, you know, I, my mom's mentioned in it and the, my wife did the Tough Mudder. So I talk about that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's anecdotal and it's got some practical tips that you can take what you want from it and, and use. And then there's some stuff that may not apply to you and uh, that's cool too. But I wanted to write a, the first book that I wrote and I'm working on a second one now and it'll expand on the front nine uh, to a certain extent. Uh, that was accessible and um, almost real. So, you know, I, I, where it wasn't too, pre- where it wasn't preachy and saying, here's the system, it was more along the lines of, look, uh, I don't start my year in January because it's a bad time of year. You don't have to either. Uh, here's what you can do to get going no matter what time of year it is. I felt like as I was reading it, I felt like I came up with the practical steps myself for me by t- listening and, and thinking through the you know the theoretical or the your examples were perfect honestly so yeah and and, and that's the thing again I, I mean I can't say to someone you know here's the perfect task manager for you here's the perfect system and, and, and no one can David Allen's made a point of saying look you know yeah. take, take what you want don't maybe you, maybe you'll use what I've got maybe you won't you know there's lots of different systems out there and I think there's probably a point where um, where we're, we're at product productivity paralysis and that there's so many apps, so many systems, so many ways, so many notebooks. There's a new notebook that came out that's got like dots and stuff on it that you can circle and cross out and stuff that it's easier. And this goes back to what I talked about off the top. It's easier to, to just go, wow, I can dwell in all these spaces and say, fool myself into saying, look how much more productive I am. But really, you're just playing with the tools. And, you know, I mean, I guess when back to the front nine, you can have the best set of golf clubs in the world. But if you suck at golf, it's not really going to help you. Oh, that's a good one. And it's that practice. That's what the book Mm -hmm. is about, is it's about practicing your game, Mm -hmm. really, when it comes down to it. And that's really what I loved about it. 
Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I was on Google Plus the other day, and, and a gentleman by the name of Wilson. I cannot. I think it's. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but it's in, in Google Plus. He said, you know, Bruce Lee had this great quote, and I'm like, this is great. He says, I I don't yeah. fear the man who what is it? I don't fear the man that does ten thousand kicks once. I fear the one man that does one kick ten thousand times. You know, and and that's what it's about. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that need to look at this kind of stuff. And and the great thing about the book is that the other thing I liked about it when I was writing it is I want to make a book that could be applied anytime, anywhere, in any era that you're not going to go, okay, well, here's the tool I can use. Because, I mean, otherwise you're going to be updating it. Like it's not a, it's not a manual for for anything other than than like you said you can look at it and, and say okay well this this will work for me and it's 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 kind of a reminder book like hey you know here's what you should do you figure out how to do it here's what you should do and here's i'll give you some suggestions and you find the tools to help you do it and honestly it's the same type of writing that's in the front nine that's in productivityist.com mm-hmm. And that's why I really think everybody should go check you out there. Um, as we're nearing the end of our time together, where else can they go find you? Where, where do you want to direct people to? Well, well you can find me at uh, – again, at productivityist.com. You can also find me on the Twitter, at Mike Vardy on Twitter. And also the podcast, Mike's on Mike's, that I do with Michael Schechter of A Better Mess. We're uh, at mikesonmikes.com. So that's Mike's the name and then on M-I-C-S because we're on microphones.com. Uh, and uh, we we talk about uh, a lot of the same stuff. We'd love to have you on the show, Eric. Well, I'd love so. to. I'd love to be on there. I can say again. Here's another endorsement. Mm-hmm. If people people ask me, hey, what podcast do you listen to? This is one of them. Awesome, awesome. So. Yeah, we're we're really excited. We've got uh, a lot of great guests. And then I'm going to be uh, for those that are in the in the west coast of Canada that are listening to this, or even the, in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle and stuff. There's a event coming up uh, the first uh, first week of May. So basically, right after this, uh, I'll I'll be doing this basically probably as a lot of people are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, Social Media Camp. Uh, you can go to socialmediacamp.ca, and I'll be speaking on the uh, the Tuesday on the social media slash productivity balancing act, which I think is a huge topic that a lot of people struggle with. So that one will have a bit of how to in it, but more again the yeah I'm, I'm I've become more my my approach to productivity like we talked about is more mindful and thoughtful than ever before. So whenever you read my stuff or hear me speak, you're going to get a lot of that stuff. Excellent. Well, again, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, and it's been awesome having you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you know that there's a Green Lantern, not the Green Lantern. Dude, that's, <laughs> that made my day. That made my day. Just don't call me a poozer. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Mike Vardy for stopping by. Don't forget to check out Productivityist.com, something that he did not mention because we recorded this before he mentioned it online. Pre-orders are now available. For the Productivityist workbook. It's only five bucks, and I've pre ordered. So there's your endorsement. Go to Productivityist.com. You'll see the link right there for the Productivityist workbook. You can order it for $5. From what I'm reading, it's going to be well worth it, especially based on blog writing and the front nine, as we mentioned in the episode. Make sure to check those out. Check out Productivityist.com, and make sure to tweet Mike at Mike Vardy on Twitter, and myself at Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Let us know how you enjoyed this episode and what you got out of it. Until next time, I'll see you later. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Find more great podcasts like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Once Upon a Time, Christian Worldview, and more at noodle.mx. Think, laugh, and succeed by subscribing to our podcasts at noodle.mx.